0: Section 22 of Sermons to Children by Sabine Baring Gould. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Marianne. Sermon 22. Indiscreet Curiosity. Genesis, chapter 3, verses 6 and 7. When the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof, and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. And the eyes of them both were opened, and they knew that they were naked. I suppose that the life of Adam and Eve in Eden was one of quite unclouded happiness. They were as joyous as the sun was bright and nature was fair, and they were as happy as the day was long. They had nothing to trouble them. The trees brought forth abundance of fruit, the springs afforded them cool drink, the leafy forests, pleasant shade. They had the best companionship in one another, and they had all the animals for playthings. In the midst of the garden stood the tree of life, on which they could renew their strength day by day. They feared not death, they felt no pain, sorrow drew no tears from their eyes. They laughed, and talked, and sang, and sought out new things, new flowers, new insects, new birds, new shells, new animals. There was always something fresh to interest them every day. There seemed no end to their pleasure. But unfortunately, Eve was not satisfied. There was also in the garden the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, that is, a tree the fruit of which would enable her to know what naughtiness was, and to distinguish evil from good. She was curious to taste She wanted to know what was naughty, not certainly that she wanted to practice it, but that she might know about it. As she sat under the trees, or wandered about in the grass, picking the wild tulips and narcissus, the idea had been haunting her. What can evil be? What is that naughtiness which I know nothing about, but which I should understand if I tasted the fruit of the tree? I dare say that she discussed it with her husband. I dare say she said to him, What can God have meant when He said that The tree gave the knowledge of good and evil? Good I understand. God is good. The grape and the apple and the apricot are good. The jasmine and the rose and the lily are good. The shade of the trees is good on a hot day. The bubbling fountain is good when I am thirsty. Night is good when I am tired. But what can evil mean? I should like to know, just to know. I should not wish to do what is evil, but to know what it is like. So she had no rest till she found out, and had made Adam find out also. They knew at last what evil was. What effect did the knowledge have on them? It cast them out of paradise. It darkened their lives. Shame, absence from God, sorrow, pain were the result. When their ignorance of evil was at an end, their simplicity was gone. And with their simplicity went the sunniness of their spirits, The world had been paradise as long as they knew not evil. With the ugly knowledge, Eden became a recollection only. They soon knew care. Conscience spoke, and drove them among the bushes from the eyes of God. Ugly thoughts, like toads and stinging reptiles, began to wriggle in their minds, as in a rank garden. And though they did not do the things they thought of, yet still the loathsome thoughts were there, "'spoiling with their slime and venom "'all the beautiful flowers that there bloomed. "'They had sorrow in their children. "'They saw envy and hatred and its deadly fruit, murder, "'and lastly they themselves felt the pain of death. "'You, children, are all placed in a garden of Eden. "'You are all in happy innocence, "'and your young life is one of joyousness. "'We older people look on at your play.' We hear your merry laughter and see you delight over trifles, and we know, if you do not, that you are new in Eden. You know nothing, or only a very little, of good and evil. You have tasted but very little of that tree. We can see it in your unclouded brows, in your laughing eyes. But, children, you are all tempted, drawn by idle curiosity, to the fatal tree. You are inquisitive to know of evil you are eager to learn what is naughty, to peer into what is hidden, to bite at the forbidden fruit. Now I do not tell you that you can pass through life without a knowledge of evil. It is not possible. You must know something of evil. But you need not know everything about it. You need not be inquisitive about it. Sin should be shunned as a serpent, but so also should the acquaintance with sin, A laborer took a snake into his house, because it lay frozen outside in the snow, and he cherished it by his hearth. Then the reptile began to stir, and recover animation, and to move its head, and then suddenly it turned and fastened its teeth on the hand of the man who had harbored it. Evil is harmless so long as you let it lie outside in the cold, but if you take it into your heads, and let it lie by the fire of your warm hearts, it will thaw and acquire activity, and before you are aware, will sting you, and you will do the evil which before you only knew of. No one is likely to desire to do that which is forbidden, unless he first knows about it. Consequently, it is one of the best protections against sin to be ignorant of the way in which sin may be committed. Then, again, the acquisition of knowledge of evil saddens the life. You will find, dear children, that the more you know of evil, the less of joy will be yours. The knowledge of evil somehow darkens the heart, so that it is no more bright. It is like thick November clouds passing over the sky. All life is gray and dull and hard and vulgar when the knowledge of sin obscures its blue sky. The sunshine of God's presence is no longer so perceptible. It does not pierce the cloudy canopy. We can still see under a veil of vapor, but it is no longer a bright and joyous light. The more you know of evil, the deeper will grow the sadness of your hearts. Boisterous merriment may take the place of innocent mirth, but it is a very different thing. It is artificial, not real. Sham flowers, not real blossoms. King Solomon made two hundred targets of gold. Six hundred shekels of gold went to each target, and three hundred shekels of purest beaten gold, Three pounds of gold went to each shield, and hung them up in the house in Lebanon that he had made. But after some years Sheshak came and carried off all the golden shields and targets that adorned the house in Lebanon, and Rohoboam made in their stead brazen shields. It is so in life. You children are adorned with the golden shields of gladness and innocence and simplicity and childish trust and tender love. AND MANY AND MANY ANOTHER BEAUTIFUL AND SHINING GRACE, BY THE HANDS OF YOUR GOD AND KING. BUT SATAN COMES AND ROBS YOU OF THEM. GLADNESS OF HEART, INNOCENCE OF INTENTION, GUILENESS OF SPIRIT, OPENNESS OF MANNER, PURITY OF SOUL, FEARLESSNESS, SIMPLE FAITH, ALL GO, AND ALAS, IN THEIR STEAD ARE ONLY BRAZEN IMITATIONS, NOISY MIRTH, PRUDISHNESS, IMPUDENCE, BOLDNESS. Brass is poor substitute for gold. The affectation of ignorance for innocence, put on modesty for genuine bashfulness, pertness for openness, impudence for fearlessness. Take care, my children, how you allow brass to take the place of gold in the adornment of your character, but first take care not to part with the gold. Preserve, treasure, the golden gifts of innocence, the ornaments of a meek and quiet spirit, Which are in the sight of God of great price. When original innocence goes, then only brazen makeshifts take its place. Avoid too great curiosity. Take an interest in all that is good, in all that is beautiful. Whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, and if there be any praise, Inquire into them, for then you are searching into the deep things of God, but shun searching into the deep things of the devil. It can do you no good prying into evil, and it may, it must do you, much harm. Into clear water you may look and watch the darting fish, and count the glittering pebbles, but if you peer into the oozy, stagnant pond, fever and ague will rise from its foul depths and cast you on the bed of sickness." You are vastly mistaken if you think that the knowledge of evil will make you happier. That it never, never does. It will inevitably make you sadder. It will take the bloom off your heart. Light out of your eyes, laughter from your lips. I have heard the story told of a certain noble family, that in the castle is a small casket of which the Lord possesses the key. No one ever enters that chamber but the master of the place. On the father's deathbed the key is given to the heir. The heir, however gay-hearted he may have been, when possessed of the knowledge of what is in that casket, becomes sad, and all the brightness goes out of his life. The secret remains locked up in his own breast. No one in the family knows it but the lord of the castle, and it weighs on and darkens his whole life. Children, in the mansion of this world there are mysterious closets, and the keys are sooner or later placed in your hands. Let me warn you in time, avoid putting them in the locks and peering in. There will issue from these closets something which will taint and blight your souls, or at all events something which will age them and weigh them down. I have seen old men, sunny and happy as children, and in every case this bright joy of declining years has been due to a childlike heart, an innocence of soul, an ignorance of evil preserved through life." The knowledge of evil may have come to them, but they have not groped and peered into it. Children, may it be so throughout life with you. End of section 22